You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Hello and welcome again to Disney One by One. We're on episode 52. This is Wreck-It Ralph from 2012. And remember, you can find the show everywhere on the internet at Disney One X One. Please check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. We would love that. And remember, Disney Plus is out, and so pretty much every single one of these is available on Disney Plus. So if you haven't gone back into the archives of Disney One by One, you can do that more easily now and follow along by looking up the movies on Disney Plus. So joining me this week, as always, is my brother David Rolfing, the pack to my man, the <laughs> Bowser to my Mario. Penelope <laughs> to your Ralph. Welcome back to Disney One by One. You know what else was number 52? The Disney Channel. It was Channel 52. Oh, wow. That's... Yeah, okay. Toon Disney, you, you 53. remember that better than I do. Cartoon Network, 54. Game Game Show Network, 55. Yeah, ESPN was 35. Fox Sports Midwest was 37. I spent a lot of time on Channel 52. <laughs> it was a great time. And joining us this week, uh, a returning guest. You heard him way back on Peter Pan, which was back in March. But we actually recorded that episode in October of 2018. So it's been over a year since we've talked to Jared Cozart on this show. Jared, welcome back to Disney One by One. Hey gang, thanks for having me back. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been like 60 years in movie <laughs> terms. When did Peter Pan come out again? Peter Pan was... Um, 53. 1953. Yeah, so it's been 60 years. And so now we're in we're in 2012. <laughs> quite the quite the leap. You were a freshly married man at that point. You you had just been married a couple months prior. You've grown so old since then. Older, wiser, and uh, with many more movie opinions that I'm excited to talk about. Jared, are you a, are you a gamer? Yeah, I, I like to game. Uh, I think uh, you know, growing up, definitely caught the N64. And uh, had plenty of great times on that, uh, as well as in college with Big D and friends on the N64 playing Smash Bros. Uh, you know, the Pokemon games on um, on Game Boy. And unfortunately, I have uh, drunk of the proverbial <laughs> Kool-Aid or whatever. And now all I play is Fortnite. <laughs> uh, man, with all the 12-year-olds. That's the worst part of the game is, you know, I get my behind kicked and i know it's by a 12 year old who's his mom's yelling at him from downstairs or something and he's like shut up mom and he's beat and that's the kid that's like killing me every time that's the most frustrating part of that game you know you could come play with the the big kids over in PUBG. you won't have that shame i know so there's all i know nothing about video games other than like what i played as a kid so there's all these what are they called multiplayer massive online what, what's the term dave so of fortnite well, sure. The yeah. genre, it's a battle royale game. Okay. <laughs> An MMO is like World of Warcraft or RuneScape. They're completely uh, okay. different. <laughs> okay. And what is uh, what is PUBG? It's a battle royale. It's the okay. it's the BR that came before Fortnite. Okay. And what's like League of Legends? It's a real-time strategy MOBA, massive online battle arena game. And J- Jared, why do you pick Fortnite over something like PUBG? Well, the thing about Fortnite is you can be a total casual and, uh, I mean, okay. In, 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 in fairness to big D, I should give PUBG a shot. I've never actually played it, but the thing about Fortnite is you can have so much fun hanging out with your friends doing absolutely no 
shooting or engagement of any kind. You get on a surfboard and you go like, you know, fly around the map with your friends. Just like Ralph. It's just fun with it. Exactly. Yeah, just like Ralph. He hopped on that snow that snowboard at the end. No, no spoilers yet. Like a champ. David, do you have a favorite video game of all time? Uh, it's it's tough. Uh, I have a top five. Halo <laughs> 3 is in there. PUBG is in there. Super Smash 64 is in there. Uh, probably Halo 2 as well. Two Halos. And then number five, maybe like uh, Skyrim, an RPG that I loved. Yeah, those are five great games. Definitely in my top ten, but you put me on the spot. Jared, how about you? Do you have do you have a favorite video game of all time? Um, yeah, I mean, favorite is uh, it's pretty difficult. I, I had some, I have some nostalgia games. In no particular order, my favorite games, you know, Fortnite is is in there. So I'm I I feel a little ashamed, but I'm really not that ashamed. Smash sixty four, like Big D said, SSX Tricky. You guys ever played that game? SSX Tricky, the snowboarding game, racing yep. game. That game was amazing. I loved that. I played uh, ten eighty on the N sixty four. I played ten eighty as well. Yeah, that that game was also a blast. Or was that on PS two? That was N sixty four. Okay. Yeah, you know Modern Warfare two. I never played Halo. I was always a, PA, a PlayStation guy, so I never got Halo. But uh, but Modern Warfare two, like seventh grade or eighth grade or something every every day i was excited to go home from school and play that game so yeah those are some of my favorites none of the characters from this movie make it in my top 10 sonic has a couple of good games those are pretty fun good music too good soundtrack street fighter characters there's a few of them in there mm-hmm. which those are fun it's a good arcade game but not really a console game it's sort of old news now but did you see that they redid sonic the hedgehog after the public outcry. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, released the, Sonic, the trailer. The Everybody movie. hated yeah. it. <laughs> they reanimated the entire movie and just re-released the trailer. Yeah, yeah. it actually, the new trailer was pretty great. It was like the first time cyberbullying is actually okay and worked out. <laughs> it's a really good move. I mean, like, there's no negative to that besides spending a little more money, but I feel like they got enough positive media attention for actually taking the feedback and changing it that they're probably going to make even more money than before i think it was a good move well the only game console i still have that i have at my house is the nintendo wii the original <laughs> wii, wii sports might be on my top 10 wii it's, sports is amazing yeah that's an all-timer it is i got so good at the bowling mm. but I, I never i never threw a perfect game <laughs> the best game i ever did was a was a nine spare on the first frame and then every other throw after that was a strike I don't know what that adds up to, but it's like two ninety eight or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's gotta be that's gotta be right there. Um, were you a spin guy or were you a? Oh yeah, a, yeah. I would slide all the way to. I'm left handed. I'd slide all the way to the left. Yeah, and then hook it. Pro move. My, my roommate, my roommate in college threw like two or three perfect games, and it made me so mad. I, <laughs> I went through it. a period of going for perfect games in there, and whenever I would not throw a strike, I just quit out of the game, so I wouldn't finish a game where I would get like a two ninety eight. <laughs> <laughs> so if I started with a nine i would not have continued <laughs> the rage quit made it all the way to wii sports yeah i also will say that mario kart for wii is pretty great oh because oh, they have love it. tracks from every version of mario kart previous plus a bunch of new ones and it's a really it was a really fun game to play i still turn that, that on every so often yeah yeah that game's amazing that that might be that might be the game i was like best at ever was mario kart yeah. wii that's all that's all i played for a long time 
But I play it with the nunchuck, so you have a joystick. So I'm not right. sitting there trying to turn the controller like a crazy person. Yeah, right, right. That's probably a pro move. And David, you've mentioned it a couple times on the show, but you have a video game podcast. You want to plug it here now that we're talking about video of games? Of course. Yeah, it's the perfect episode. Yeah, I've, I'm interviewing people who work in the gaming industry. So if you're a fan of gaming or esports or both, I'm interviewing people all over who work in the industry and hosting events or creating video games or covering uh, esports. I just interviewed a journalist from the UK from Esports Insider. And so lots of different guests. We talk about their current careers and kind of industry news and what they're doing and how they got to their careers. So it's been really fun. Award nominated podcast. Yes, nominated add. for two Colorado podcast awards. Best new show and best independent show i think they're, they're calling it are there missouri podcast awards i doubt it <laughs> Probably not. it's like a podcast studio in denver that's throwing them so i got nominated and now all the colorado podcasters like vote so unfortunately i don't know any other colorado podcasters to like vote for me do you mike do you have any references colorado podcasters no. yeah don't think so sorry dang it and with that, we'll move on to Wreck-It Ralph. And now, our feature presentation. My name's Wreck-It Ralph. I'm gonna wreck it! 30 years I've been doing this. I can fix it! It's hard to love your job when no one else seems to like you for doing it. You're just the bad guy who wrecks the building. Ah! <gasps> I'm okay. Wreck-It Ralph is about an 8-bit video game bad guy who travels the length of the arcade to prove that he's a good guy. This movie was first conceptualized in the late 1980s. It was originally called High Score. It was redeveloped and reconsidered many times throughout uh, the decades at Disney. In the late 90s, it was revitalized as a movie called Joe Jump. And in the mid-2000s, it was called Reboot Ralph. And then uh, Rich Moore came on board to direct, and it became what we know as Wreck-It Ralph today. This was Rich Moore's directorial debut. He had directed some episodes of The Simpsons and Futurama. He and John Lasseter wanted this movie to be Roger Rabbit-like, Toy Story-like, with a bunch of licensed characters that came in, along with the new characters created for the movie. There's obviously tons of cameos in this movie. Before production, the characters they wanted to have cameos were added to the story in places that would make sense to appear, even before they had legal permission to do it, and then they <laughs> sought out uh, the copyright holder's permission after the fact to use the characters, and as well as uh, working with the companies to assure that their characters were being represented authentically. So they just threw stuff in and hoped that they got it. Overall, there were about 180 individual characters in this movie uh, as a result of those cameos. So, uh, what were some of the characters we, you guys all noticed throughout this movie? Rattle them off Sonic, Ryu, Bowser, Ryu from Street Fighter, Bowser, Pac Man. Uh, Who else was in there? Zangief, which I don't know what game he's from. Is that the guy with the hairy chest? Yeah. Oh, he's from, also from Street Fighter. There was, yeah, yeah. Bowser, you said there's the bad guy from Sonic. Dr. Eggman. Yeah, Eggman. Wreck-It Ralph is definitely, the game itself is definitely based on Donkey Kong, very similar to that. Mm -hmm. And then there's the Heroes Duty game, which is very similar to kind of Halo or Call of Duty or something like that, a combination of those. I would say it's more similar to just like a crappy shoot 'em up arcade game. <laughs> you know, like one of those ones where you can play with two people, you just have machine guns with an unlimited ammo and you just yeah. shoot at all the incoming creatures. There was also a frog from Frogger, I saw him hopping around. They tried to get... <laughs> 
Nintendo to license Mario and Luigi, but cannot come to an agreement, which mm. isn't surprising. Nintendo's pretty strict about their yeah. IPs. They do mention Mario. I would say Mario got a name drop, at least. And Laura Croft is mentioned as well. That's right. So a couple of Disney characters that showed up. Mickey had a couple, like, think background cameos. Maybe it was just his logo. I didn't notice, but the dinosaur from Meet the Robinsons was also in there a couple times in the station, which we just watched that a few weeks ago. The cast of this movie, John C. Riley plays Wreck-It Ralph. Sarah Silverman is Vanellope Von Schweetz. Jack McBrayer, who's a... Who's he playing? 30 Rock. He's the page. Kenneth plays Fix-It Felix Jr. <laughs> Jane Lynch is Sergeant Tamora Jean Calhoun. Alan Tudyk plays King Candy. This might be his first Disney movie, but Alan Tudyk's in a ton of Disney movies. He plays a lot of funny characters. He based uh, King Candy on Ed Wynn who is the actor who did the voice of the Mad Hatter in Alice in Wonderland. So it's ah, pretty much yeah. exactly the same voice, despite being a different guy. Yep. Huh. Ed Wynn is also, I, I most know him from Mary Poppins. He's the guy who sings, I love to laugh. <laughs> and he floats up to the ceiling because he's laughing so hard. <laughs> Mindy Kaling plays Taffeta Mutton Fudge. Ed O'Neill plays Mr. Stan Litwack, the owner of the arcade. And uh, I also heard Dennis Haysbert in there. He's the, the Allstate guy <laughs> and the president in 24 who does the voice of General Hologram. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. Nar- he narrates the, uh, the Call of Duty game. <laughs> On a planet with no name, a top secret experiment has gone horribly wrong. There's not much I could find about the production of this movie. It seemed to go pretty well. They did develop some new technology or use some new technology to make the animation a little more real, to make reflections on surfaces more realistic looking in the in the cg animation they also developed some sort of camera system so that you know the directors could sort of walk around the scenes in real time with a camera and kind of pick their shots so the the music the score was composed by henry jackman who just did uh, winnie the pooh which was last week yeah and uh the captain america movies he's done a few disney related mm-hmm. projects the soundtrack features songs by owl city akb48 buckner and garcia and skrillex I used to be a huge Owl City fan. Dave, did you ever listen to Owl City? Yes, I used to be a huge Skrillex fan. <laughs> no no Rihanna name drop, Mike? Oh, was there a Rihanna song? Did I miss it? Uh, oh, yeah, yes. she sings Shut Up, Shut Up and Drive. That's the one. That's the was one. that written for this movie, though? I, I, no. I couldn't. I couldn't figure that out. Okay. I don't think so. Not that I couldn't figure it out. I, I was just wondering, and I didn't Google it. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't come up with information that you didn't have on your own. <laughs> It was yeah. written for her third studio album, which is called Good Girl Gone Bad. Ah, oh, gotcha. So it doesn't appear to have been written for Wreck-It Ralph. I think my favorite musical moment was when the Laffy Taffies start singing yeah. the love song. Yeah. I don't remember the tune of it. I'll play it right now. That was that was a really fun kind of combination of scene and score. This movie premiered October 29th, 2012 at the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood, which is Disney's is a Disney-owned theater, and then it was released November 2nd in the United States accompanied by the short film Paperman. It made 471 million on its 165 million dollar budget. I would call that a success. It was nominated for Best Animated Feature that year with Brave, Frankenweenie, Paranorman, and The Pirates Band of Misfits. Can you guess which one won? Frankenweenie. Brave. Yes, Brave won yeah. Best Animated Feature that year. Um, but the short film Paper Man that I just mentioned won the Oscar for Best Animated Short. So congrats to Disney for that. 
There are a whole bunch of video games that were made based on this movie. I don't even think we need to rattle them all off. And the Wreck-It Ralph characters appear in all sorts of other video games like the Disney Infinity Games and Disney Crossy Road and Kingdom Hearts and a number of other things. Did you ever play Disney Infinity, David? Are you familiar with that? No, I've never played it or seen gameplay. I've only heard of it. Because that was was a brilliant idea. I, I mean, I don't know how long it lasted, but you had to physically buy these little toys. I have some of them just because I think they look cool. In order to actually have the characters in the game, you had to like go to the store and buy the characters. And they're like these really kind of cool looking. Those are pretty sweet. Exaggerated cartoony little characters. Mike's holding up a Buzz Lightyear yeah, for the I listeners. Yeah, I have a Buzz. I also have a... Uh, <laughs> I have a Poe. She is. Poe Dameron. Aren't they cool? <laughs> it's really cool. Actually, hang on, I've got more. They're super cheap, but they're like really cool. There's a Luke. That is pretty brilliant, yeah. I just like the look of these, but you had to buy the actual characters in order to get them in the game, which was brilliant. Mm. Pay um, to win, not a fan. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and the game isn't around anymore, I don't think. But they do have, they kind of took these designs, this design style, and they have a new line of toys called like the Disney Toy Box or something like that, that looks very similar to these. But these are the actual Disney Infinity ones that have some sort of code on the bottom or something that activates them in the game. So anyway. I was trying to think of, of appearances of Wreck-It Ralph in the theme parks. There is a Wreck-It Ralph meet and greet at Epcot. They built like the portal. They walk out of like they're coming out of the power strip and then you meet Ralph and Vanellope. It's that's in the uh, Imagination Pavilion at Epcot. The Owl City song, when can I see you again? The Cantonese language arrangement of it has been used in the a parade called Paint the Night at Hong Kong Disneyland since October of 2014 that parade also was at disneyland in america in english for a number of years from 2015 to 2018 and and when can i see you again was the theme song to paint the night There have been long rumors that there's going to be a Wreck-It Ralph attraction at Tomorrowland Magic Kingdom. We talked about Stitch's Great Escape on our Lilo and Stitch episode. Yep. And that is not even open all the time anymore. It may be completely shut down. And there have been talks of changing that to some sort of Wreck-It Ralph attraction. The latest rumor from May from May of this year was they were going to use the same theaters, you know, where you're in, a, in the round, but attach some sort of video game style controllers to every guest seat and somehow be interactive with everyone sitting in the seats. I don't know. I wish they would just rip everything out and like build a ride. And then of course uh, we got Ralph breaks the internet in 2018, which we'll talk about in one, two, three, four, five episodes from now. That's about all I got with Wreck-It Ralph. David, any other fun facts? Supposedly you can play Fix-It Felix, Sugar Rush and Heroes Duty on some website. It was like the Wreck-It Ralph website, but I couldn't find it googling just now um, i'm sure they're up on some weird flash game sites though if somebody pulled them off of disney's site yeah and i think they also made a console version of it or whatever you call it stand up arcade game version of it arcade booth of wreck it ralph you mean yeah of, yeah. of or fix it feel fix it feel it yeah. but i have not played them i was trying to just now but what website was arcadespot.com i don't have flash installed so it wouldn't no. wouldn't run <laughs> sugar rush the best game out of those three Probably. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Racing games are generally pretty great. Hey, Mike, going back to video games, you, you ever play, uh, oh my gosh, 
It, it must not have been that good because I can't remember the name, but it was an N64 game. Tur- it wasn't Turbo. Turbo was in this movie. D- Diddy Kong? No, no. It was a racing game. But you have a little uh, steering wheel that plugs into the N64. And you can drive it that way. No, no, no. It, was, it was a lot of fun. No, I, I did master Cruising USA. Cruising USA? No, I, I never remember played that, that, Dave? Yeah, there's an arcade version of it at this arcade, like a block away from our house. That's so fun. <laughs> it's a really fun arcade booth. Cruising USA. Yeah. And there was one song that I only raced to one song. You could you could hit a certain button on the controller and it would change the track that was playing. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. No, yeah. I don't think that was the one, but yeah. I'm try- wow, how did the it's one like go? It's like the only video game my wife will play with me, Cruising USA at the arcade. I'm trying to think how the song went. The only one I ever played. I'll find it and play it in the background. <laughs> All right, so Jared, Wreck-It Ralph, had you seen this movie before? What's your history with this I had movie? seen it once, um, probably, I mean, years ago. I think going in, it was like, I, I, knew the, I knew the plot, I knew what happened, the twists and turns, but uh, the details I had forgotten. And so it was, uh, those were kind of fresh and seeing those again for the, uh, you know, kind of felt like a first time. David, how about you? Yeah, I'd seen it a few times. I really enjoyed it when I saw it the first time. I don't know if it was in theaters, but somewhere around 2012 probably. And I remembered most of it. Yeah, no really, no surprises for me, which isn't as fun, but it was still a good rewatch. I probably saw this in the theater, and I, but I know I watched it recently again when Wreck-It Ralph 2 came out. We were going to go see that, and so we watched this in 2018 before we went and saw the sequel. So yeah, it's pretty fresh in my mind. All right, Jared, now that you've watched it again, what was your initial reaction? Overall thoughts to Wreck-It Ralph? Yeah, I think uh, overall thoughts are positive. I think you kind of break this down, this movie down into into thirds, in my opinion. I thought the first third was good because it this is a fresh concept to me. I, it, it feels like a unique story, and and so introducing that and getting like the the heroes support. Uh, sorry, the villain support group. I thought that was hilarious. And like little things like that, like just building the world of living inside arcade games. That was fun to experience. The middle, uh, I found myself kind of losing it, losing my attention a bit. So I thought the, the middle third wasn't as good. I thought the payoff in the last third was really, really good emotionally and uh, plot-wise with twists and turns. So that's kind of how I break it down. I thought, you know, it's got a, what, uh, 7.7 on IMDb, and I think that's probably about right. Maybe a 7.5 for me. David, overall thoughts to Wreck-It Ralph? Similar feelings for sure to Jared. Um I wish they wouldn't have spent like three-fourths of the movie in Candyland. I I just feel like they could have used another environment to spend a good chunk of the time in. I got kind of sick of that world after the, almost an hour in there. They are probably like 20 minutes to establish everything. I think they got in Candyland around like 25 minutes and then were in it basically the rest of the movie. So that got a little stale to me, but I really liked the twists towards the end of the movie and like... The girl, you think she she's pretty annoying at the beginning, which she's supposed to be because Ralph was annoyed by her too. But by the end, you kind of get like why she's an outcast and you start to feel for her a bit. And I think Ralph is a good protagonist. He's a very good arc of like overcoming some of his issues and then 
turning to the good side and being a hero. So it's a good story. It's a good, good payoff, some good characters. And I feel like the side characters as well, like Felix and the, the shooter girl. I don't know her name. Who's she voiced <laughs> by the, the glee person. Yeah. Yeah. Jane Lynch. Okay. She's Sergeant Tamora. Tamora. Or Sergeant. I feel Cal- like there's some Sergeant good Calhoun. side characters, like cutting to them briefly kind of mixed it up a bit. So yeah, it was good. Mike, what do you think? I agree with Jared in the sense that there's sort of three chunks to this. The, the setup, the setup is amazing. Mm-hmm. The establishing of the world, how it all works. It could have been really poorly done and not made any sense, but the visuals, the characters, and everything works really, really well at the top to to really establish this world. I love, I love the bad guy therapy <laughs> with all with all the villains, you know, around. They call, what do they call it? Bad Anon, like anonymous, like Alcoholics yeah. <laughs> Anonymous, but it's Bad Guy Anonymous. Didn't they use that as the trailer? It might have been maybe a teaser trailer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I am bad. That's good. Whatever the the, the chant mm-hmm. is, they all say at the end, how Satan goes by Satine, yeah. you know, and all these things. <laughs> it's really funny. And then it pulls and it zooms out and they're inside the Pac-Man maze, which just, I didn't remember that. And that cracked me up. Just very clever. And the whole idea of them being able to travel through these cables and entering the power strip. And that's sort of the the hub, the Grand Central Station of just very, very, very creative to come up with that. Obviously, took years. They started developing this in the 80s. I love like the world of arcades and old school video games like that. I mean, we've grown up going to arcades. David, we've grown up going to arcades. Jared, do you have much of an arcade history? No, I can't say I do. We have a 20 plus year history of going to... Dave and Buster's on Christmas Eve with our dad and brother. Dave, are you going to be here next week on Christmas Eve? I'll be here. Okay, I'll be here too. Here meaning St. Louis? Yeah, St. Louis, yeah. Our dad discovered decades ago that Dave and Buster's was open on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, (laughs) back when no one did things on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And so we would go every Christmas Eve for years. Well, I mean, I guess we still do it. While our mom was like getting the house ready for Christmas, you know, our dad would take of the three of us brothers to Dave and Buster's at 11 a.m. when it opened and there'd be no one there. Wow. Amazing tradition. Us and the employees. So we've seen the transition from, you know, like the Wreck-It Ralph type games, just like a classic arcade booth to every game now is based off of a mobile game like Candy Crush Crossy or Road. Temple Run, Crossy Flappy Road, Bird. everything. Mm. Yeah. It's kind of lame, actually. Yeah, it has gotten kind of lame. I mean, Dave and Buster's, used, the one here in St. Louis used to have one of those shooting arcades, shooting galleries oh. where you'd aim at the little infrared targets and like water would yeah. squirt out, you know, when you hit it, when you hit it right, they got rid of that a long time ago and they still have some of the games where you, you know, shoot basketballs and throw footballs. And I, I like those ski ball and that sort of thing. But a large majority of them, yes, are based on <laughs> mobile apps, which is like, pretty silly. Yeah. Why would you play a game that you can just play for free on your own time? I think the first game that did that was guitar hero arcade version. We had it at home and people, yeah. you just have to pay to play it when you get to Dave and Buster's. So it's the same thing. Well, the reverse started with Dance Dance Revolution. That's what I was going to ask. You about. would have DDR only in arcades, and then they started creating the pads you could have at home, and then now they started doing the reverse. There's still some fun games. I mean, we we created quite the stockpile of tickets over the years. <laughs> we would just collect and collect and collect. What's tickets. the best prize you guys ever cashed in at David Buster's? I think we got like a remote control helicopter or two. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Jared, I just remembered the best prize I ever got. Black Ops 2, the copy I had, which we played zombies on for like three years in college. We won that through Dave and Buster's. Oh, wow. I owe owe your father 
a huge thank you then because, or, or, or maybe not a thank you because that was definitely my worst uh, year in college whenever we, whenever we just played zombies all the time. Uh, but uh, what, uh, that's a great prize. You made, made a lot of memories. I mean, the amount of money it takes to get the tickets is not worth remotely <laughs> what the prizes are worth. You spend way more than what the prize is worth, but it's, but it's fun it's to play the, the game. It's not, it's not about the prizes. The prizes are just a bonus. For a $60 game, you're probably spending like $500. I know. <laughs> Gosh. Or I, mean, I, got, I remember I got like a Lando Calrissian Funko Pop, you know, for 10,000 tickets or whatever that worth less than $10 and probably cost at least at least six times that to get that number of tickets. But you're having fun along the way. That's what matters. We'll probably end up there next week again on Christmas Eve. But uh, the word has gotten out that Dave and Buster's is open on Christmas <laughs> Eve. So it's a little more crowded now. Do you still go 11 a.m. first in the door? Yeah, you go. Yeah, you go and get an early lunch and you get the bonus uh, tokens, whatever they call them, play play points on your card with Power the meal, with, with your chicken fingers. You get some bonus points and then... Uh, you go play. Take some chicken fingers so. and some bonus points. They call them gold fingers there. Ah. What James Bond reference. So what was I talking about? My opinion on this movie? Uh, <laughs> it's, you said it, you like the arcade feel. Yeah. I like, I like the idea of the movie. I think it's way too long. It's an hour and 40 minutes long, which is way too long for a kid's movie. So yeah, I like the idea of this movie. I like the concept of this movie. I think the characters are generally fun. And the idea of getting all these video game characters in and out is really clever and unique. It's very Roger Rabbit-esque, like I mentioned before. But I, I find Vanellope to be quite annoying. I know, I know she's supposed to be, but I never quite get over that. And I also like feel like Ralph is not that lovable of a character. I know he's supposed to be destructive and unintentionally obnoxious, but he doesn't like... I don't totally vibe with Ralph, but I love, like you mentioned, David, a lot of the side characters. I think Fix It Felix is hilarious. I think the the army girl, Jane Lynch, is funny. But yeah, there's definitely some slow parts, some things that could probably be cut out. Yeah, we can dive into some of those things. Uh, what other observations, specific things, did we uh, love or hate in Wreck-It Ralph? I don't think either of them are supposed to be totally lovable. Like, they're both outcasts, and so they both have their own, like, social issues Ralph's being, he's like oblivious to his own destructive capabilities and Vanellope's is she's super annoying, I guess. <laughs> but I thought they were solid characters. I'm pretty sure that Fix-It Felix was supposed to be the protagonist when they started planning this movie, which I don't know how that would have gone, I guess. I feel like that would have screwed up the entire, like the, like the, the message of the movie if, if Fix-It Felix becomes a protagonist. Obviously, in the final version, he's like the perfect hero from his game. Maybe he had some flaws that they took away from him. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. So going back to the score, you mentioned Henry Jackson and uh, and uh, his work. It was a pretty cool and unique, just like just like the movie itself. I mean, the score was unique in that it it combined classic kind of video game eight bit sounds and synthy sounds with the kind of the full orchestra stuff you would expect so i thought that was really cool i know that the music won are the, are the annie awards a thing does anybody know what the annie awards yeah, are yeah those are like awards for animation okay that makes sense i don't i'm not sure how like legit or acclaimed they are but i mean the disney things win all the time yeah exactly so, so i i saw that this one won best original score or something like that um, so I thought the music was good humor wise I thought uh, I'd be curious to get your guys' thoughts given you know how many of these movies you watch 
you know, it, it was pretty funny. It, it felt more... Okay, let me put it this way. There are some Disney movies, the humor appeals to adults maybe in a clever way, you know, that kids don't get, but adults kind of get, and they throw those in there. I thought this one was pretty much all targeted towards, uh, you know, young kids. So I thought it was maybe less funny than some others. They went pretty heavy on, like, duty jokes and, like, fart face, Mr. Sergeant... I liked the score. Humor was, a little, you know, maybe a little lacking. And then going back to the message, like like we mentioned just a second ago, you know, um, I thought the, the, maybe the overall message or what you want your child to take away from this movie if you're a parent taking your kid or something is, uh, you know, we've, we each have our own um, unique traits. And uh, to quote... You know, Obi-Wan, from a certain point of view, those can be, you know, good. You know, they, they make us special, they make us unique, and, and you know, can, can be celebrated sometimes. So I thought that was a good message as well. I thought you were going to say that Anakin quote, from my point of view, the Jedi <laughs> are evil. <laughs> um, uh, no, no, I was not going to say that. Yeah, you're right, Jared. I mean, it does have a great message. I think a lot of people can relate to, a lot of kids can, can take and, and learn from. What are some examples of movies we've watched that do have, like, adult jokes that kids wouldn't get can you think of any on this list yeah i feel like that's i feel like that's more of a pixar thing yeah what did you guys think about the big twist in this movie there haven't been too many of these disney movies that have sort of a a twist at at the end i loved it i I I thought it was great i thought they uh, another thing i thought they did pretty masterfully in the movie was drop some hints or foreshadowing early on and then they kind of make you forget about it and and then they bring it back and it's really meaningful and it's always awesome when that when when that kind of thing lands and they mentioned you know going turbo a few times and then you kind of forget about it and and then and then slam here's turbo so i thought they did that really really well i also forgot one twist is that you know he's the king candy's turbo and then but on top of that vanellope is you know the the rightful king of candy land or wherever they live what, what sugar yeah. crush sugar Sugar rush, sugar rush, sugar rush, right? (laughs) And so, you know, one of the one of the details I had forgotten was whenever Ralph looks over out of his uh, game and sees her picture on the side, uh, I had totally forgotten about all that. And so, at that point in the movie, I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's that's amazing! Like, what's going on?" Yeah, I thought I thought the twists were uh, awesomely executed. Yeah, I think the the last time that Turbo is mentioned before like the big reveal is when Ralph meets King Candy and King Candy's like, Ralph, you're not going turbo, right. are you? Yeah, you can, looking back on it, knowing that it's a, it's a funny line that he would say that to him. I will mention this though. Disney has a thing with revealing bad guys later in the movies of late. And I'm going to include Pixar in this as well. Toy Story 2, Stinky Pete becomes the bad right. guy, even though he wasn't right. originally, you know. Uh, Monsters Inc. There's Mr. Waternoose up. There's the guy Months. Toy Story Three. Lotso does the same thing where he's like seems to be good, but then turns bad. We got Wreck-It Ralph and Frozen. Uh, Hans appears to be a good guy, but ends up being the bad guy. Uh, Big Hero Six does the same thing. Zootopia does the same thing. Coco does it with Ernesto. If you remember, have you guys seen Coco? Where yeah. like the hero guitar player ends up actually being the bad guy. It is it's a very overused thing in these Disney movies. <laughs> this one's a little bit different, sort of, because because King Candy's kind of a bad guy throughout, but it's interesting to see this this trend they have mm. that it's become very predictable of late. 
obviously you can compare that to movies of the past where you got Scar and Gaston and Jafar mm. and Ursula and Frollo and Ratcliffe. Like clearly these are the bad guys from the start. And the Huns. <laughs> and the Huns. <laughs> the scariest yeah. things to ever be drawn or animated. So <laughs> it's definitely a new thing in these Disney movies compared to, you know, obviously some of the past ones, but it's become a little bit old. This movie is in the middle of the pack of that list, so it wasn't quite as worn out then as it probably is now. But when, you know, Coco and Ernesto, you know, turned bad, I'm like, well, saw that coming a long time ago, <laughs> which maybe maybe they don't care if you see it coming. And and it's a good twist for kids because right. little kids don't don't see it coming. But I wish they would come up with something a little bit different. Yeah, it's a really common storytelling technique. Like the first one I see that did it was Treasure Planet. And like, that's obviously a classic story that they, they copied, like revealing the bad guy later on in the movie. It still works. I mean, if you don't know the movie, you don't know that's going to happen, even, even if it's common in Disney movies. You could even look at, I mean, they do it in The Incredibles. I forgot about that one. Syndrome was actually like, he was the little kid that Mr. Incredible said no to or something mm-hmm. like that. And then he became this bad guy and that's why he became mm-hmm. bad. There's a twist at the end. Um, and even like in Moana, there's the, the, the volcano turned out that the bad volcano was actually Tafiti, like the green lady. Like there's just all these twists. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they got to throw twists in every single one of these movies. <laughs> just something I, something I noticed, something I'd read about. I'd read an article about this a while ago of someone complaining about it. So I thought I'd bring it up cause I, I, I agree with it. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I mean, that's actually very interesting. I think, um, in the broader context, it's an excellent point in the movie itself execution was you know good without context of being able to see it coming based on everything else so but that is an excellent point that's uh something i hadn't realized actually david how well do you think they they encapsulated the video game world in this movie very well and i think we'll talk about this more in record off too probably because they did the same thing with the internet world but the arcade world's much more simple and i think they visualized it really well having the power strip being the hub where all the games are connected, um, the first 20 minutes, like that's what it's all about. Establishing like how everything works and how the characters get from game to game and like what happens when games get unplugged, what happens to the characters, they become homeless. And that's probably the aspect of the movie I enjoyed the, the most was that universe and establishing all of that. So yeah, they, they did really good in that area. And then the variety of games. I loved the, the heroes duty game. We've played so many dumb games like that at arcades where you just pick up that big <laughs> rifle and there's just all these aliens flying at you and you just shoot them as, as quickly as you possibly can. And you die in like 30 seconds and you waste, you know, $3. And then the, yeah, the classic game, like the fix it Felix, which is like I said, very reminiscent of, of Donkey Kong. And then Sugar Rush, every arcade has those race car games where you sit at the wheel with the with the pedals and attempt to drive the car. That poor girl who ran into all the glitches, I would be pissed. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you want to go play a quick game of Fix It Felix by yourself. All your friends told you to go away, go find somewhere else. I guess they weren't really her friends. She says, I'll fix it. The bullies. Huh? Yeah, the bullies. The bullies. Yeah. And she goes to find some solace in Fix It Felix and lo and behold... <laughs> Nobody is around. They, everybody leaves the game. Yeah, that's a pretty rough break for that little girl. She had, a, she had a rough go at things. And I love sort of the different animation styles for certain characters. Once once you're in like in the world of the of the video game game characters, like the Wreck-It Ralph people had a very like slow frame rate when they were dancing. They were just like very jittery because they were very yeah. low low resolution. I also really liked the mini game when they build the car. Welcome to the bakery. Let's bake. 
Take a car! What is this, another game? Yeah, well, it's a mini game. The baking mini game was really fun. Like they had a minute to 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 bake the car from scratch. It reminded me a lot of of Mario Party. We spent many hours playing back in the day. Yeah, yeah. the specifically the mini game where you bake a cake and have to place the part on the cake that your partner lays on the conveyor belt. You remember that one? Yes. <laughs> we played. I've played so much Mario Party. It's like let's fifty turns, guys. We can do it. <laughs> <laughs> we we'll make it. I swear. They definitely did an excellent job of, uh, I don't know, bridging the gap between video game and movie. Like, like the the gamers amongst us and, and that watch that movie, I'm surely all got like a, a healthy and enjoyable shot of nostalgia. You know, kind of external to the enjoyment of the plot and the characters themselves. So it was kind of a good mix of those two. All right, Jared, as our esteemed guest, we need you to establish our rating system for Wreck-It Ralph. So what should we rate Wreck-It Ralph out of to wrap up this show? Well, we're going to have to rate it from, you know, banana peels to bullet bills, uh, uh, Mario Kart racing items. It's going to need to be out of a number or David's head head will explode. Oh, big D. Then let's say, I'm going to guess that there are 13 items you can choose from in Mario Kart. <laughs> and um, and so 1 to 13. Okay. And 13 being the blue shell and 1 being a banana? Yeah, correct. Exactly. Okay. All right. So you go ahead, Jared. What's your rating of Wrecked Ralph out of 13? And give us your final thoughts. Out of 13, I'm going to give it um, I'm going to give it an 8 point. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 13. There you go. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 13, which uh, for the people who don't need numbers amongst us that's going to correspond to the revolving green shells the triple green shells uh pretty good item you like to have it o- overall thoughts are love the u- the uniqueness of the story these days and i get that it was, it was it's been you know 2012 now so it's not really these days but uniqueness is hard to come by everything seems to be recycled and and that kind of thing so the originality of the story was a lot of fun you know music good Humor, not bad. Message, good. Characters, you know, not bad. Kind of annoying. But uniqueness and overall uh, world building and things like that make it a, a definitely a solid movie in my book. All right, David, out of 13, and you have to also pick the item. I'd give it a 10.27 out of 13, which would be triple red shells. Whoa! <laughs> solid, but it's not a lightning bolt or a blue shell, you know? <laughs> it's not gonna it's not gonna change the race for you but it's gonna get you up a couple spots <laughs> uh, which this movie was up a couple notches in the entertainment uh area for me i loved the universe um i liked the twists i thought it was a little bit too long like we mentioned the characters could have been a little more lovable but their flaws were also kind of lovable lovable for me very solid movie which we're going to talk about later, but better than the sequel. So it was a very good initial movie in this, hopefully not a trilogy. Mike, what's your rating? Out of 13, I give this like a seven, which is 
middle of the pack. Like I said, I, I love the world that's been established. I think the movie's too long, and I don't particularly like the two main characters. <laughs> I love the supporting characters, but I'm just not a big fan of Ralph or Vanellope. Um, a seven? That's that's a 54%. My percentages don't work the same as yours, David. <laughs> We've established that. We're 52 episodes in. <laughs> I know. I feel like whatever. We, we, I feel like you're inconsistent. <laughs> halfway, halfway means like middle of the road to me. Doesn't mean F, Big D. Doesn't mean F. It means like it's it's a three out of five. Yeah. And my, I would say my, my Mario Kart item that coincides with that is like the uh, the single boost mushroom. The single boost mushroom. <laughs> Maybe the triple boost mushroom, but not the one that goes on for like thirty seconds. Right. Yeah. I agree that I, that is better than the sequel, though I really like a lot of... I mean, the sequel is just packed with mo- so many more references and cameos, which I like. But yeah, I mean, that's about it. I've said what I have needed to say, so we'll, we'll wrap up this show. Jared, what are you doing for Christmas next week? Wow, Christmas. Well, I'm not going to Dave & Buster's, unfortunately. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, we'll probably just be uh, spending it with the family uh, in in my hometown of Fayetteville, Arkansas, and uh, fingers crossed for uh, a snowy a snowy week. David, you, you coming home for Christmas? I will be there. I'll be at Dave & Buster's. I will be Ready to beat you. Should, uh, should Ellie come with us at Dave & Buster's, or is she not allowed because she's a girl? Hmm, good question. <laughs> <laughs> we can debate that. Um, I will. I will be. I will be home for Christmas, and then we'll be off to Michigan to visit the in-laws. So uh, remember, you can find the show everywhere on the internet at Disney One X One. Leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts, and remember to check out our back catalog because you have Disney Plus now to check out those movies. Next week, next Wednesday is Christmas Day. We'll be releasing our Frozen episode. So open your presents, and then open up Disney one by one. And you can hear what we think about Frozen. So with that, Jared, thank you so much for joining us today. Love it, guys. Thanks for having me. And David, a pleasure as always. Yes. No cuts, no butts, no coconuts. (laughs) (laughs) That was a funny line. (laughs) So again, we'll see you on Christmas morning with Frozen. Goodbye. So long. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1 and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast.